This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Welcome to the Lesbian Historic Motif Podcast. Today we're having an interview with author Kathleen Nowles. I knew her as Kathy back a long time ago when we worked at the same biotech company together. Welcome, Kathy. Hello. So I have to start out by saying I am tickled to death at bumping into you again in the context of writing lesbian fiction because, wow, it's been like, you said, 25 years? Yes, I think so. In the early 90s when we, we worked at uh, Zoma Corporation. Yeah, right right before the, the axe fell and we all got laid off, right? <laughs> I think I left before that, but ah, yes. yes. So, so, and here we are again. Right, and we met at the um, Golden Crown Literary Society last year. Is that right? Last Actually. In, in uh, New Orleans. I, yeah, uh, well, that wasn't last year. Last year, it, that was two years ago. Oh, sorry, but, two years ago. But I went and heard you at a reading in San Francisco. You and a couple other Bold Strokes books authors were reading. And, and here's the embarrassing thing. I think at that point, it hadn't clicked in my mind that I already knew you. I figured <laughs> it out later. Right. So how did you get interested in writing historical fiction? Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, I've read historical fiction. I realized the other day when I was thinking about it for, for this interview that when I was a, a teenager I read a lot of different things and some some of the things that I read were actually romance fiction that was historically based and I can't remember too many of the authors names but it, I remember thinking that I liked the part of it that had to do with history and with history detail and I always loved reading historical stuff when I was a student and when I came out, I started doing a lot of reading in LGBT history, and uh-huh. I'm very interested and have read a great deal about different periods of time and, and different people. And so when I decided I wanted to write, um, and I will say I got started writing in fan fiction, but the, the, the idea that I had was almost automatically going to be historical romance and set in San Francisco because I like San Francisco history a lot. So you mentioned you got you did a lot of reading in LGBT history. Any particularly favorite periods? I don't have any particular favorite periods. I have favorite authors, Lillian Fodderman's uh, oh, yeah. writings on lesbian history and Martin Duberman's books. I really enjoy. I like biographies. I've read a lot of different biographies of people like Vita Sackville West uh-huh. and uh, Radcliffe Hall and other other people. A lot of a lot of different people. So those are the kinds of things I like to read. Uh huh. And for your own fiction, I noticed that you've got a set of three books. Now I'm not I'm not sure they're a set, but you've got three books set in San Francisco right around the turn of the 20th century. Two of them have the same pair of characters. Is the third one actually connected? 
The third one is connected. They're more or less a set. Uh, for the third one, I, I made the characters from the first two books, Beth and Carrie. I made them secondary characters and focused on a, uh, a new set of main characters. And that's kind of the style that Bold Strokes books likes to use if you're writing a, uh, like a series of some sort. So you, you could consider them a set of three. So we have Awake Unto Me, and then A Spark of Heavenly Fire, and that's the first two with the with the same main couple. And yes. then Two Souls, which is the third book. Do they come in that order? Yes, that's yes, the order. Yes, because then Two Souls deals with the San Francisco earthquake. Right. I noticed that that's a bit of a favorite fictional touchstone for people. Uh, you aren't the only person who's set a lesbian story around the time of the quake. What drew you to that particular era, or is that a, a really silly question? Well, for, first of all, I started out, and I'm not sure why I picked the turn of the century in particular. It sort of just evolved that I wanted a, I started with a wartime setting, which happened to be the uh, Spanish-American War. And when I thought about that and thought if I ever wrote any more books and continued this story, that it would naturally go to the San Francisco earthquake. I don't know what it is about earthquakes. You know, you live in the Bay Area, too, yeah. but earthquakes are something people talk a lot about, and it's very much identified with San Francisco. And the 1906 earthquake, lucky for me, has a huge amount of things written about it, plenty of sources for different kinds of details, whatever basic part of it you want to focus on, you can find something out about it. And I thought it would be an interesting thing to have my characters go through, all of them, basically six characters in the book, and they all have various ways of dealing with the earthquake. It's a disaster. It makes people react in different ways. Yeah, so, it, it's uh, always... That a... was what I was interested in. It's always a, a, a fun thing to throw at characters to, to make them react in extreme situations like that. Oh, I think so, yes. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about what goes on in the book, so a little plot synopsis. Okay. In the first book, Awake Unto Me, is when the two characters, Beth and Carrie, meet. And they meet with a person that they have in common. And they was a basically an orphan and had been... Uh, adopted. She was orphaned when she was a young teenager, and she was adopted by uh, by someone and grew up. Up to that point, she was adopted in the Barbary Coast, which was a pretty hardcore, bad part of town. And that's Carrie. And, and Beth uh, grew up in a very middle-class family, but had a history of, of abuse by, a, I think it was the uh, family minister. So they sort of meet by chance because the guy, the, the doctor was actually, who adopted Carrie, Beth ends up in nursing school, and he's one of her professors. That's how they meet. So that the first book describes their courtship, how they met, and how they fall in love. And there is a separation in it where, where Beth is sent off to war in the Philippines as a nurse. And she's gone for quite a period of time. And I don't want to give away too much of the plot. But yeah. Basically, they get together and they become lovers in the second book, which a lot of people don't like to read what happens after, you know, the happily ever after is what they like to have in their heads and they're done they're basically i've heard people say well i'm just done i don't want to know story. if it doesn't work out you know <laughs> yeah it, it all it all worked out everything's great but i tend to think that sometimes things are a little more interesting later on when you're trying to keep a relationship together and there are all kinds of pressures on on relationships and i presume that that wouldn't be 
any different, even if it was um, 1900, it wouldn't make any difference. There would still be issues and problems that people would have to work through in order to keep their relationship going. So that's what the second one, A Spark of Heavenly Fire, is about. It's about how they get through a really rough period in their lives and manage not to break up. Finally, uh, two souls. Beth and Carrie are there. Um, they basically live with Beth's former professor, who and she has now become a doctor instead of a nurse, and, and her mentor, and his romantic partner. I have unmarried. I make a big deal about the fact that there's an unmarried couple, also another another doctor, uh, and they live in a big house. I basically picture up on Fillmore Street, the upper part of Fillmore Street, and another doctor who is living with them for a time moved out from from new york and her her name is nora and nora actually carrie is the one that introduces nora to to the woman who becomes her love interest because her abigail abby is uh not a doctor the only main character uh well she's a she's a doctor and carrie is a is a cook but abigail is a naturalist and she's based on a real person that i i was quite impressed when i heard a story of so that's what happens is basically the earthquake uh, is is what happens and um, that's what they all have to deal with in in various ways of course all the people who are doctors are working on issues basically they are helping refugees in Golden Gate Park they're taking care of medical issues for refugees and Abigail is a member of the California Academy of Sciences has other issues to deal with and Carrie was a cook at the Palace Hotel which burns down so she's essentially and she's injured during the course of the earthquake and so she's dealing with an injury and basically having lost her job uh-huh so that's the, the plot of the third book in the series. So most of the focus is on Abigail and Nora because it's their love story and it's about them falling in love and becoming uh, partners. So that's it. And as you say, that living there in San Francisco as you do, there are enormous historical resources for the, the era and for exactly what went on and what people's lives were like. I'm wondering about resources for developing the relationships of these women. What, what were some of your, your challenges or your favorite parts about setting up their relationships in a historic context? I think for anybody who writes historical fiction, romance fiction or other kinds of, of fiction, is understanding that people have the same emotions I believe they have experienced the same sort of emotions that we do in the in the present day, but they're not always going to be expressed. And particularly, sexuality was really repressed around the turn of the century. It wasn't. It just simply wasn't something that people talk about. But um, I just remember that one of the reasons why I did pick the turn of the century to start with Heather is because at that point there actually did exist, at least in technical literature and in the minds and views of psychiatrists and other doctors, there was a concept of gay identity. They had named it, they'd given it names, they knew what lesbians were and they knew what gay men were. So those concepts existed. And I used the fact that a lot of my characters were doctors, particularly the one from New York, to point out to the fact that people actually knew they existed now. They had a name for it. <laughs> it wasn't a, a mystery of any kind. So they could 
to a certain extent discuss it although the part of that's difficult for people falling in love is is there's they don't know it none of the characters at, at least at first they don't understand what it is that they're going through and they don't have a name for it and they don't call it anything until they find out later i'm speaking of carrie and beth they find out later from their friend the doctor from new york uh, esther what it's called you know she said this is something that happens to, to certain people and it's not like it's a terrible thing of course i'm I had to give them supportive yeah. secondary characters. I, I didn't want it to revolve around people's horrible reactions uh, to it. So, you know, I figure San Francisco was a place, is a place, and certainly was a place from the very start that absorbed a lot of different people from a lot of different places. So I think of San Francisco as a place where nothing can surprise anybody. Yeah, and I, I always like to look at it that, you know, it, it's not erasing the fact that many people's lives in the past were awful, but right. we as authors get to choose which stories we want to tell. And there were, there were happy stories that can be told. Yes. So where do you want to go in the future in your historic writing? What, what projects do you have in mind to uh, work on? That's a great question. I, my um, co-worker, I guess, other writer, another writer I, I, I admire very much, um, who writes for Bold Strokes books, Justine Saracen is her, is her pen name, has always told me, she said, World War One. that's the place you got to go. She, she writes a lot about World, World War Two. some really excellent <laughs> books, but she said, World War One's where you want to go. That's the period of time that nobody is paid any very much attention to you ought to do that (laughs) i was gonna say i will argue that pre-20th century is what nobody's doing but but yeah within the 20th century (laughs) i'll take that okay that's funny i think the world war one period is really interesting but i think what i might be more interested even though it's the same general time frame is the beginning of the u.s suffragist movement Uh as far as i know uh, california was one of the states that Got, women got the vote a, a bit before the whole entire country, but I'm not sure of the exact year of that. It was something I ran across. So I, I'm thinking I want to write uh, a story about a suffragist and you know another woman, some sort of from some sort of background I haven't fit, figured out yet. Write a romance novel with that background. Uh-huh. Women uh, get women getting the right to vote. And the other one I want to do is actually World War II in San Francisco uh, or post World War II. San Francisco when all of the the soldiers and the sailors who were essentially dismissed from the service if they were found out to be gay, they basically stayed in San Francisco and and Los Angeles and started gay communities. They started, that's where it all started, was right after World War II. So I think I'd like to write a story about that period of San Francisco's history. Uh One more, because I've been interested in and slightly obsessed with for a long time, the Paris of 1920s, pre-1920s, post-World War I and and then the 1920s. So much has been written about it, very, uh, a lot has been written about that period of time in terms of the, you know, the actual history of it, the facts um, surrounding it, you know, Natalie Barney's salon and Gertrude Stein's uh, salon and the the publishing that women did in Paris during that period. But I think I'd like to fictionalize uh, someone, possibly um, the reporter Janet Flanner, the New Yorker reporter who wrote the letter from Paris. Uh-huh. Uh, she arrived in Paris with a lover in tow, but I think I might just get rid of that <laughs> and have it be somebody who meets someone in Paris. So yeah, you could always just use her as a model. Third. Yep. So th- those are my three historical periods so far. Uh-huh. 
Any other topics uh, you'd like to talk about before we start closing this up? Well, I write contemporary fiction as well as historical fiction, but most of the time, ultimately, I, I think I'm writing historical fiction even when I'm writing contemporary fiction, and it's because I like to have a context. For, for people's lives. I mean, my life has a context. It doesn't really occur in a vacuum, and it, it occurs with a lot of other stuff happening uh, around it, partly because I live in San Francisco, and I've lived here for a very long time, and I've been out for a very long time. I like to use a something. The book that I just uh, got published this month deals with the Indiana's um, Religious Freedom Act, uh-huh. Uh, in 2015, that's the background of the story. So I think I'm always, almost always, basically writing historical fiction. Uh-huh. So where can your fans and readers find you online if they want to learn more about your books or uh, follow you on social media? I am on Facebook under Kathy Knowles. You can just look look me up. And I'm on Amazon. I have an author's page that I need to do some maintenance on, but I can be reached through Bold Strokes Books publishers uh, on my my page in Bold Strokes Books has all kinds of ways to get hold of me, um, especially by email or by Facebook. And I tweet once in a while. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. Thanks for asking me, Heather. It was really great. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider supporting our Patreon 